Hello and welcome to the Gun Pod. Uh, this, I, you know what, I don't know what episode this is, I've lost track completely. I really need to sort that out, uh, but it doesn't matter. This one is a discussion with Ashley Cornfoot, our Deputy Head of Primary, and Matthew Corbett, uh, Head of Secondary. And this is all about understanding by design. Um, so I think this is great for teachers who are interested in thinking about how to approach planning, either within their own units, across a range of units, a sort of middle leader level, or across the whole school kind of range, um, which Matt and Ashley are doing as we speak. Um, also using a microphone, so let's see if the sound quality improves. I think I made that claim last time, but it turns out I didn't plug it in, so I'm about 65% confident that this time I have plugged it in properly, uh, but I'm less convinced that it's going to make a difference, so let's see. Right, um, let's get into it. Matt Corbett. Ashley Cornfoot and Understanding by Design. All right, welcome to the Garden Pod, and today we've got two podcast debutants. Is that right? Indeed, that's right. Great. We've got opposite me is Mr. Matthew Corbett, who is the head of secondary. And we have Mr. Ashley Cornfoot, who is the deputy head in the primary school. Okay. Um, and these two chaps are in charge of the part of our strategic plan which deals with something called UBD. It's part of our planning for learning strand, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So I guess the obvious starting point, Matt, maybe, UBD. What does it mean? What is it? UBD is an acronym for Understanding by Design. And in, in my words, it would be... It's, it's not going to tell you how to plan your curriculum, it's an approach to planning and it's made up of three parts, three stages in fact. The first one is when you've got your overarching goals and you're breaking your desired goals down into knowledge, skills and understanding. The second part covers assessment and the third breaks it down into the learning, uh, the lesson plans themselves. The whole premise of it is that we're actually planning backwards. Okay, so there's quite a few little things to unpack there. So understanding by design, what, what do we mean by the design element of it? What's that all about? I think this is more about uh, the, the way that your curriculum's planned and articulated um, and the way that's mapped out um, and obviously that's done by design, very much focused on, on the ultimate outcomes for our, our students, those kind of long-term transfer goals and then planning the learning backwards. So it's a backward design. Uh, very much focused also on uh, children's understanding uh, rather than just checkpoints of their, their knowledge. Okay, so we've got a million things here that we probably need to, to drill into a little bit more um, because one of the things with the UBD would be fair to say we can get a bit lost in the language. Indeed. So it might be worth just taking a few steps, um, sort of baby steps. So the first thing is this idea of planning with the end in mind. I guess that's the crux of it, isn't it? So, um, Ashley, you mentioned transfer goals, designing with the end in mind, moving towards that. Maybe we could flesh that out a bit. What might that look like? Well, probably. I know when I was training to be a teacher, you would plan, you would have a unit title, you would plan your lessons and think perhaps about assessment later. And perhaps there's a lot of people that are still out there that do that. UBD is, is fairly logical, and I'll use the example or the analogy of a, a holiday. You don't, um, you don't book your flight, decide the country later and how you want to feel even after that. I want to go to a beach, I want to come back with a tan, I want to relax, so therefore, where is the best location for me to go? 
Then I want to be by the beach. Which hotel am I going to stay in? And, and so on and so on. It's the same for learning. Where do, our, where do we want our graduates for a whole lot of different subjects to be when they finish their time at our school and beyond? And let's start thinking backwards from there. I agree. Another nice analogy when it was presented to me was uh, linked to life coaching. Um, so anybody that's had uh, life coaching before will often ask what their desired state is, you know, to think about where it is they want to be in three years' time, four years' time. And to, to be very detailed in that, uh, in that, in that desired state, so kind of close your eyes and imagine yourself being there. What will that look like? What will that feel like? Uh, and UBD, again, follows that same principle in terms of learning. So what do we want our students to, to be, feel, do uh, in 15 years' time, 20 years' time? Uh, and, and make that the starting point, but in a very detailed way so that everybody's kind of clear uh, on that desired state. Okay, so we're all singing from the same hymn sheet, essentially. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the, the overarching idea, isn't it? And when we say, like, the end state, do we mean, I mean, actually, you said 20 years' time. Do we mean, like, the end of sixth form? Do we, do we put a place on that, or, or is that kind of open for discussion and debate? For me, it's about beyond. These, the skills, the understandings we're teaching in, in, in school should be transferable to situations throughout life. Okay. For us in the school setting, we obviously, we obviously have year 13 in mind, yeah. but as perhaps we'll talk about in a minute, our transfer goals are certainly focus beyond that also. Okay, so we use the analogy of life coaching and a holiday, interesting you chose that. <laughs> um, let's now frame that within a school environment. So what might that look like for a specific discipline or a, a, a subject? Um, I think I, I can have a crack at one in a minute, I don't know if you want to. Want to go first? Are you an mm -hmm. English PE sort of specialist? I can do a, do a PE one, for example. So let's um, let's talk about what a transfer goal is first, because that's the best place to start. That's the long-term accomplishment that our students should be aiming for. Like I said, when they graduate from the school, they can take beyond, and then we can actually start breaking things down. Um, as we go right through the school. So for health and physical education, for example, we might say a transfer goal is making healthy choices and decisions regarding diet, exercise, stress management, etc. throughout one's life. Yeah. Okay? And then we break that transfer goal down and we say, okay, what knowledge points are our students actually going to... What are we going to have to teach? What are they going to have to be equipped with? Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute because I think that's the next stage, mm -hmm. isn't it? Have you got an example of a, a transfer goal? Maths or drugs? I think, or, or anything you want. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I think one, because I have had this discussion with uh, the economics department, uh, is that, that, that idea uh, of making economically sound uh, and financial decisions. Uh, and the reason I choose that is because that can be done in business, but it isn't on a personal level. So it goes beyond that idea of what they need to uh, gain. A student needs to gain uh, the right grades for university or the right outcome from university uh, and actually can be shown um, in lots of different ways. That idea about transferring that understanding and knowledge that they, that they might need in later life. Great. So we're not... We're talking about kind of a skill thing here, are we? I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe well, we'll get to that in a minute, actually. I'm going to put part of that. Um, so tell me if I'm wrong. Um, history, I would say a transfer goal might well be that I want students when they leave this school and into the future to be able to critically analyse information for reliability uh, and truthfulness. That might be a, a sort mm -hmm. of history transfer goal. Yeah? 
All right, great. So we've nailed that down. Transfer goals are these big things that we want them to be able to uh, do for the rest of their lives, but in particular we want to be able to say they can do those when they leave our school. Right, now Matt, you're itching to talk about breaking that down into knowledge and understandings. So should we try and unpack that? Sure. And this, this premise of understandings we've found in our journey with UPD is the single hardest thing, and as a lot of experts in UBD will tell you, the, hard, the hardest thing to unpack. What is actually the difference between knowledge, skills, and understanding? I'll get to essential questions shortly, but those three really do make up um, the first part of the thinking required here. So let's start with understanding. For me, it's, and, and jump in here actually, it's the moral of the story or the, the, the gold nuggets we want students to have by the end of a unit, okay? Um, knowledge in the fact and knowledge and skills is what do we want students to know and what do we want them to be able to do with that knowledge? Definitely. I think the idea of applying um, the knowledge, um, you know, the way that we look at understanding uh, with our students is very different from the way that we might kind of evidence and, and assess knowledge. So you can simply know something, regurgitate a, a fact, um, recall something, be able to do a skill, but that level of understanding takes it on to being able to explain or teach it to somebody else, um, to apply it to an unknown or different situation. Uh, and I think that's kind of fundamental about understanding by design, that that is what we're looking for in our students. Okay. Can we play a little game then? Can you remember your transfer goal? And let's see if we can create an understanding based around each one of our transfer goals. And if, we, if we're wrong or if we've got questions about it, let's, let's talk about those as well because that's happening within our school and I'm sure with anybody who's doing UBD. So shall I, can I go first? I'm excited. Um, right, so uh, my transfer goal was to be able to critically assess um, information for reliability and truthfulness or something like that maybe an understanding that I believe would help students to get to that and we would need to explicitly teach throughout their time here would be that all source materials, I understand that all source materials have a bias and that would help them to lead. Once I recognise that and I understand that all source materials have a bias that's going to help me to achieve that sort of skill of being able mm. to assess them. Would that be, that be yeah. a good start? A key component of an understanding is that the answer is not obvious to a student. And one of the best phrases I've heard to be able to explain about an understanding is students need to earn, earn the understanding mm. by the tasks and the activities and the teaching that you're doing mm. to allow them to get to that point. So they're not going to fully understand probably that yeah. statement you've just given until they actually dig deeper. And That's lovely it. because the, what I'll find that teaching history is a lot of, not just kids to be honest, a lot of adults say, oh, it's biased. It's biased, so therefore I can't trust it, which of mm. course is nonsense because everything has a bias. Mm. Um, so they have to go through that to get to, to that deep understanding. Right. All right, who's next? I'll have a crack. So this is my PE one about making healthful choices. An understanding could be the term diet has both positive and negative connotations. Nice. Mm -hmm. Any comments on that, Ashley? Um, again, one of the tests... I think it's always good to put in is because understanding is constructed by the learner how do you know when a student has met that understanding mm. um, well there's actually there's six key areas 
um, that we try and uh, really give us a sense of whether a student has met that understanding or not. And they are terms such as explain, the ability for a student to interpret different information, um, apply or the application of the knowledge and skills Ashley touched on, but not just apply it in uh, a setting they're used to, but an authentic environment that is new and, and messy, I like that term as well. Um, the self-understanding, that a student can actually self-assess their understanding along the way and know where they are on that particular journey. Yeah. I love this idea of learning, you really know that the learning or the understanding has been embedded when you can see it out of the context in which it right. was originally taught. And I think that's a, that's a really nice test. Yeah. Um, okay, now we're going to try and get into the knowledge in a minute. Do you want to have a crack at an understanding for you Yeah, I think, because I'd, I'd like to make this point about the uh, this particular uh, transfer goal and a couple of other transfer goals that, that we've been discussing uh, before is that you can kind of sway the way perhaps uh, a, a subject uh, is taught by the transfer goal. So if we looked at economics there and we talked about uh, making economically sound uh, and ethical financial decisions, by adding a word like ethical can change perhaps the focus uh, of the way that we might uh, present learning to our to our students. So we're not just fixated perhaps on making profit and loss, but actually there's an ethical element to this. So it might be instead of saying that a product or a, a service has a value, a monetary value, we can then say, well, we need students to understand that there is also an ethical dimension to that. Uh, and therefore you're exploring potentially new ground that you wouldn't do if you hadn't set uh, your transfer goals. Well, therein lies the goal of having this conversation, right? because without actually sitting down and saying, what are our transfer goals for whatever it is that we're talking about, you may never do that. No. You may be driven by an exam syllabus or um, any other kind of things or just past history, but by having this conversation, you could open up all those, those new avenues. Okay, now we're going into probably more tricky ground, and this is certainly something that we've found problematic exploring this here. Um, just when you think you've got it, you kind of sort of flip out of it a little bit. So now we've got knowledge, and where is the difference between knowledge and understanding? And then I'm going to frame that with two other questions. Is there always a difference? Does it matter? Would be the sort of the overall encompassing thing of those conversations. Mm. And just thoughts here. Mm. I think um, knowledge could be taught perhaps in a couple of seconds. Okay, Fat is this, carbohydrates is this. Um, like I said earlier, the understanding of, let's say, the effect of those nutrients on the body mm. would take a little bit more time. Um, we've found that knowledge points are things teachers teach, whereas understandings happen after they apply the knowledge in these authentic situations. Yeah. Again, I want to reinforce that again. Okay. I think it's also important to put into that context that um, it's not a battle between knowledge <laughs> and understanding or knowledge and skills. Yeah, yeah that knowledge, skills and understanding come as a package and they're really important. If we want students to have understanding, they need knowledge mm. and they need to develop skills um, to gain that, that understanding. But like Matt just said before, I think you can teach, um, give knowledge, uh, whereas understanding has to be earned by the learner, it has to be constructed uh, and, and therefore the assessment and evidence has to, to take a different form. Yeah. Mm. I like that. Um, and I think that, that they work together 
and recognising that they work together and not getting bogged down in the semantics of the two, which we have done, haven't we, a couple of times. Yeah. Um, and that's not helpful. So, you know, you could argue my understanding there, um, every source has a bias. You could argue that could be tested on a multiple choice. Mm. Which one of these three is right? So all sources are biased, some sources are biased, every source has a bias. There you go, I know it. Mm. Um, but then understanding takes that further, the mm. application out of context and so on. And maybe we don't lose too much sleep about separating these two things up into you know, mm. really distinct. I think, can, can the student um, prove their understanding by themselves? Mm. So with your one, with the sources, you've taught them um, the different types of sources, but can they connect their dots and in their own time really critically analyse and weigh up the bias or not? Yeah. That's the telltale. And do they have some of the tools to be able to do that? Right. And for me, that could be part of the knowledge. I know that I could use this particular framework to help me achieve that. Right. That, that could work. Yeah. All right, so the moral of the story here is the transfer goal is gold because that's what we're leaning mm -hmm. towards. And along the way, we want to develop knowledge and understanding and we want to test whether they've achieved that transfer goal. Right. Okay. And skills is another missing link as well. Yeah, we'll learner skills. Or subject-specific. Oh, subject-specific yeah. skills. Do you want to... Now might be an appropriate time. Yeah. Um, won't delve into too much of this for semantic reasons <laughs> yeah. as well. Um, but a subject-specific skill for PE might be passing and catching, for yeah. example, which would lead to a particular understanding. Yeah. Now, you know, in the, the PE example, diet having different connotations, the skill of critical... Being able to critically, critically analyse... Mm would lead to that understanding. Yeah, so I would say my transfer goal that would probably fall under the skill. Yeah. You know, critically yeah. analyse sourcing yeah. too. absolutely. Okay, that's great. Um, all right, so we're going to go macro now and ask ourselves why are we doing this? What's the point? Mm. You know, we just had a little debate around three words there. We've talked about transfer. What's the point of this? As a whole school, um, we're embarking on this journey. We've been doing it now for about 18 months. Why are we doing it? What's the point? I think there's, a, there's probably several reasons, but certainly two that kind of come to my mind. And the first one is to make sure um, that we're kind of consistently approaching learning in the same way. Uh, and as we mentioned before, that kind of backward by design or understanding by design seems like a, a logical and, and, uh, and, a, and a perfect way to plan. Um, so it's a way of ensuring that that is the way that we're all planning in a large through school um, like ours. Uh, that level of consistency is quite important. Uh, and then the second one uh, is about that curriculum mapping. <clears throat> so therefore making sure, again, and analysing that, that the, both the content and the approach to planning learning uh, is, is kind of known and articulated across the school so it can be analysed, uh, looked at, uh, and it's transparent for all those people working with, with, with students. Mm. Jumping on the back of yeah. the, the mapping, if we're able, and this is this is our goal as a school at the moment. We're working with two subjects in specific. If we were able to break down the key understandings, knowledge, skill points for every year group from 13 right down into our early years, we're going to be able to identify gaps in learning. We're going to be able to identify repetitions, opportunities both vertically and horizontally. So the mapping component is hugely important. I'd also add to the why, why we're we doing this, is that the consistent experience for students across the school is hugely important. Um, yes, they're going to get different teaching types and so forth, but as the teacher's approach to planning and where we're all 
aiming to get these kids to the same. And I think if we have that consistent approach, it will allow for it. Research also suggests that if the students understand the why, they will be far more engaged and whatever you're teaching will stick with them throughout life. I mean, all three of us can agree that there's certain things we were taught at school we wouldn't have a clue about right now, but it's those little gold nuggets that probably had the biggest influence on us. Yeah, French. <laughs> I'm trying to relearn French. It's not going very well. Didn't do very well at school. Um, all right. So um, consistency across the school. We're trying to have like, this kind of map where we everybody knows the direction that we're heading, and we're all building towards these transfer goals. So sounds so obvious, right? But it's hard. Why is it so hard to achieve that in the school? Mm. What 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 are our barriers? What makes that difficult? I think it is a barrier when um, we're a large school. Um, and a through school. So it's a great opportunity to do this, uh, to map our curriculum from, um, you know, all the way from for our three-year-olds to our 18-year-olds, uh, uh, but that also provides a challenge. Um, if we want a shared purpose within those subjects and across those disciplines, then that's a lot of people, mm. and that becomes, uh, that becomes difficult. Mm. The other thing is... Um, in a busy school, you've got lots of strategic projects, everyone's working incredibly hard, um, adding another layer, right, which can, it can be misconstrued that way, another layer to our curriculum planning can be um, a barrier for students, for teachers um, to jump on board with. I think as well as that, um, because of our, some of our curriculum constraints, you could argue, we've got certain things we need to cover um, it, become, it can become a little bit much. So we, you know, asking teachers to, to decide what's really important to include in the planning, um, that can be a particular barrier as well, because you want to include everything. Yeah. And um, we're not starting from scratch, are we? Like if you're starting a school off from, from, from zero, blank page, transfer goals, let's plan our curriculum backwards, but yeah. we've been bringing out the best in people... <laughs> Since 51. Since 1951, uh, which is a lot of baggage, right? It's a lot of baggage to mm. sort of to, to bring that with. And, it, and what we're essentially asking people to do is to be prepared to lose some of that baggage, to ask questions around stuff that we've been doing for a long time. And that's a challenge, mm. both for us as leaders, I think, and, mm. and for teachers within our school. Mm. Everyone's been planning in different ways for a long time. Everyone's been thinking about their curriculum in different ways for a long time, depending on their context and experience. So to try and align everybody's thinking, that's a tough thing to do as well. So starting small, uh, certainly what we've found to be effective. And again, people learning and thinking in, in different ways. So James, you just mentioned there about starting from scratch. Now for some people, they like working from scratch. They're blank page people. Yeah, that like to start. Me, yeah, me yeah. too. Other people don't. They 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 want to explore um, the details, uh, which is fine, uh, and unpack that. So there are processes to kind of unpack the curriculum we have to come to those transfer goals and those understandings. Or you start the other way uh, with blank pieces of paper and then ask those kind of critical questions about what the purpose of that subject is. What do you want that enduring understanding for our students? Um, but. The teachers work in different ways too. An individual prefers 
possibly different ways of working. So um, now that we've refined the approach that we've taken and, ju and just started working with two key faculties with a smaller number of people, then that's easier to differentiate uh, and to manage, uh, and those conversations become richer and, and we can open up a little bit more, uh, certainly compared to uh, when we first started, where we worked with a broad group of uh, faculty leaders and, and subject leaders across the whole school. Yeah, so there's a whole kind of leading change conversation in there, isn't there, which might be a which might be a whole other podcast. Um, so let's just sort of flip gear. We've got about five or six minutes left. And let's just talk about what this looks like kind of on a, a smaller unit level. Because I think that's useful, and that will highlight perhaps some, of, some good practice and some less good practice, which we all can fall into very easily. So let's, for argument's sake, we're taking a, a five- to six-week unit in either the primary school or the secondary school. I really don't think it matters. Um, what does the planning of that unit look like? What steps do you go through in order to plan that unit with all of those other things in mind that we've talked about? Mm. And I'll open that up to either of them. Do you want to start with stage one? Yeah, I think um, a little bit like we talked before, uh, it's having that end in mind. So looking at that unit uh, and considering what it is that uh, we want the students to, uh, you know, the outcomes for our students. Um, so we start with uh, a big idea, uh, that kind of overarching uh, concept for, for that will drive the, uh, the unit forward uh, and, and, and that will kind of wrap up the, the learning for the students um, and, and just explore that. So we've got our big idea and what are the understandings that we want the students to take within that and then breaking it down to our, our knowledge and skills. Um, again, looking at uh, in detail what those outcomes are. Um, and I think this is where stage two has to be considered um, in conjunction with that. So stage two is very much about how that um, evidence is, is collected uh, through the process and also at the end. Can I just rephrase that and just make sure that the understanding from my point of view is there and then hopefully everybody listening. So stage one is really about identifying what it is you want them to be able to do, yeah. kind of know and understand by the end of that unit. Yes. And stage two is how are you going to find out if you've actually done good work. That's right. Evidence. Yeah, yeah, it's about that evidence. Yeah. But again, I, I, this is why I think in that, in that part of the planning, it's so important to address that you're putting those checkpoints in place mm. uh, as well as the, the end point, uh, rather than just uh, leaving the assessment as something that's done at the end, yeah. that we can actually checkpoint that understanding and the knowledge and skills through the process of planning. Mm. Yeah. Uh, adding to stage two the assessment, it's all of those aspects of understanding that you need to consider when you're planning your assessment tasks. Have I allowed the students opportunities to interpret, interpret different information? Have I allowed them to think about or take different perspectives? Um, and your assessment tasks, that's what I love about UBT, is not simply a quiz or a test, as important as they are, and they still are a key part of UBT, but it's, it's what else? Is it an activity on a field trip? Is it a, a speech, a presentation, a piece of acting? Mm. And really trying to make your assessment strategies varied mm. and not just having one summative mm. at the end. I think this is interesting because we fall the risk here, I think, fall into a risk here of, you know, you, you talk to a teacher and I certainly have fallen into this and I bet, I bet anything you have as well. Mm. That we do that anyway. Yeah, we do that. Of course, you plan with the end in mind. It's, it's so intuitive, it's obvious. But certainly, one of the traps that, that I've fallen into and in our, our life, seen around school, um, and I think I've seen it in all teachers in their practice somewhere, is that we lose focus on what we're trying to achieve and we start to plan instead by activity. And that's where we 
really miss a trick. Mm. So you know, you've seen something cool on on, on the website, on the on, a, on the web, and uh, oh, that wouldn't that be great? And suddenly that little resource or that video or that thing drives everything, mm. and you don't end up with some of those key stages that that, mm. that you guys are talking. But about. I would contend that's why yeah, the planning that we're taking in terms of UBD um, takes teachers through that process yeah. uh, and that the, the, the language um, is repeated. Mm. So in stage one, when they're planning that end in mind and the understanding, knowledge and skills, the same language and the same bullet points are being transferred into stage two so that they're looking for the same evidence. If this is the understanding we want for those students, then this is what we need to assess and the evidence that we need to, to gain. Mm. Yeah before stage three where the lessons are occurring yeah. and yes you can go on to get an engaging activity yeah. but it has to match up with the evidence you're collecting which meets the uh, the, the, the stage one the desired results it keeps us honest is that yeah and that, you know going back to your example James about finding a fantastic tool or idea that would be a real shame if an approach like this um, prevented us from doing that take the tool but now adapt it so it was going to give you evidence um, that that would allow us to see student understandings and knowledge and skills in action. Which leads me nicely into my last question, really, which I think is a, is a potentially an issue, certainly one that I found quite challenging when I've done any planning, and that's is the stage two, how am I going to assess it, before I've done um, the kind of planning of activities. And I've sometimes found that hard. I found that those two sort of merge together sometimes, and, it, and kind of an organic process occurs. Is that okay, or am I doing something wrong? I think, again, yes, we've got the process, and I think it's important to follow the process from stage one to make sure that it's articulated fully uh, before we then move on through the next stages. Yeah. But so stage one being the, 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 the end desired, desired, desired stage. So I need to be clear on what that is before I can de yeah. determine, determine what those checkpoints are. Mm -hmm. um, but they do work hand in hand, yeah. each stage. And I think... As just as we were talking then, you, you know, you go back to Simon Sinek that talked very much about the why, the how, and the what. So, for those familiar with that, that's almost UBD in itself again. So, why are we doing this? Because we want the students to understand this. Yeah. Okay, how do we know? Yeah. And then the final is right. What do we need to do to get yeah. them there? Yeah. Planning should be a bit of an organic process, and if if there were hard and fast rules. That prevented the scenario you just gave us, James, where somebody had a brilliant idea for an activity but they felt they could not do so until they had their assessment sorted. Yeah. That would be a shame. As long as you've got the why and these big desired states in mind, yeah. I think that's fine. You yeah. can't get hung up. And you want to take the joy out of it. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, exactly right. So, okay, so let's just finish with um, a teacher who's thinking, they're listening to this, thought, that was amazing. Thanks, Matt and Ashley. Um, <laughs> right, what are my top tips? I want to go away, I want to really experiment with the unit, whether I'm in a maths or science, or I've just listened to this and I want to try something. What's the, what's the things that I need to do as a top tip? One of our GIS learning statements is students understand what they're doing and why. I would start with that question. I would go into my classroom, I consider it when I'm planning my next lesson, my next unit, I would ask my students that all the time. I'd keep focusing on the why until it became second nature. I wouldn't worry about assessment. I wouldn't worry necessarily about activities. Why am I doing this activity? What, what, what's the purpose of it? Is this lesson meaningful? And you go from there. I agree. I have a phrase that I quite like. 
asking, and I know students do it all the time, is so what? Mm -hmm. So again, when we're thinking about that why and what that purpose is and what that desired uh, outcome is, we've got to be fairly cynical about this mm -hmm. too uh, and be the cynic that's probably in every student's head um, because if we can't see the purpose and if the students aren't aware of the purpose, then, then the whole process breaks down. UBD is about not just our teachers planning with that end in mind, but our students being really clear on what that endpoint is too. Yeah. For me, I'm going to throw one in there as well. I think certainly my learning of the last two or three years has been the importance of the checkpointing, so that kind of stage two. Mm. I know what I want to achieve. I've identified that. I'm really clear. And that checkpointing at various stages to inform me, an honest checkpoint as well, mm. not giving me these false positives where I think, oh, yeah, they've got it. Really honest checkpointing that informs how they're doing, which can then change the direction of the planning. Mm. I think being, being really careful about how we think about that is a, is, a, is a fantastic way to do stuff. Especially focused on their understanding. Yes, mm. exactly. And don't get hung up in the language. No, and don't get hung up on the language. And I think if we were to be self-critical, we've done that a bit. We've, yeah. got, we've got hung up on the language. Fair to say. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Okay. So there you go. Don't get too hung up on the language. Right. Um, if you want to read more, if you want to find out more about UBD and get into this, uh, where should they go? What should they read? Anything by um, Jay McTyre and Grant Wiggins, who... Um, are largely the godfathers of understanding by design. Google the names, go to the actual website, um, a realm of information on there. There's also plenty of videos uh, that they've produced as well. Uh, a lot of those are available on YouTube. Great. Um, fantastic. Matt, Ashley, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate your time. Um, hopefully that's useful to people. And, of course, you can get in touch with any of us, uh, probably Matt and Ashley better than me, um, regarding UBD, understanding by design, or sometimes called backwards. So get into it. Thanks guys. Thank you. Thank you.